This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am with Susie Glassman. Susie, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hello, everyone. Susie, ironically, is married to a gentleman named Greg Glassman, who is yes. not the Greg Glassman that we're going to be talking about, so I want to kind of make that clear. Um, and so uh, there's going to be two parts of this podcast. Uh, the initial part we're gonna we're gonna run a little bit through fat loss math just because I think it's probably something that more people need to understand and uh, we'll find very interesting, right? Um, just in the way that your body kind of works through things and some common myths that we'll sort of run over. And then the second part is just this bizarre incident followed by just years of bizarre incidents from uh, CrossFit HQ, and so we're going to kind of run through what happened and why when they deleted their Facebook and Instagram accounts. And I think from my perspective, um, it'll actually be interesting to people, right? Because, you know, we have 1.3 million followers. We've worked very hard to get that following um, so it, it is, it is very bizarre to, yeah. uh, kind of cancel that out. So I'm going to run through uh, a couple things, just housekeeping wise, nothing too major going on. Uh, unfortunately right now, memberships are, are very rare. Uh, they're almost invite only at this point. And, uh, you can actually go to the, the main page and uh, click a button to, to talk to a coach, which, uh, you know, it, we're, we're really finding that um, when people talk to us, you know, they get off to kind of this better footing rather than just buying this product that maybe you don't understand nearly as well. The problem is, is when they talk to us, they're like, oh, my God, I totally want that. Right. And so so we're running into to issues. But but each day. Coaches come to me and they're like, hey, look, you know, we got three spots open today. So then I send out, you know, the, the message to people. So while memberships are closed, they tend to open up each day except for weekends. Right. So kind of keep that in mind. There is an opt in list on that page. So you can opt in. The nice thing about that opt in list, it is it reserves your spot. Right. So if you want the golden ticket. That is the quickest way to get the golden ticket, right? So that's really and the cool thing is I'll, I'll say that when you are talking to a coach, you're talking to Paul or you're talking to myself. You really are talking to a live person. So use that if you have questions because um, it's you're not, you know, just talking. You're not getting automated, you know, some sort of, uh, what do you call it, bot answer. You're actually talking to one of us. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, what I think happens for people is they want to think, and we did a podcast on this, so I'm not going to go over it, but, you know, they want to think, what's the magic number that's going to get me eight-pack abs? And, you know, that doesn't exist, right? The program needs to evolve. We're about to go over this part, actually, um, here in, in, like, a few seconds. Um, so when you talk to me, you talk to Susie, Stephanie, you know, all the coaches – that um, you know are in that channel, 
what we're giving you is a, is an overview of what that plan will look like and then a little bit about about how that might evolve over time, right? And so um, the reason why we did this is because there was all these surveys, right, that were kind of hooking all these people in. And, and I was thinking to myself, you know, all these surveys are they're, – they're more or less robotic answers. They're not allowing you to talk to people. And I think this is the reason why so many people are signing up, right, and why it's so popular right now is that a lot of those people that have taken all these surveys, right, um, they were like, you know, it'd be nice talking to somebody. So when they get to talk to somebody, it actually makes a really big difference. So keep that in mind. Um, and then other than really the free challenge, um, one thing cool about the free challenge, I'm still waiting to hear back from Wolf, but uh, um, we're giving away a, a, a Wolf 3.0. Uh, for this challenge, which is, uh, I think, exciting for a lot of people who are familiar to working out. If you're if you're kind of new to working out or just getting started with exercise and things of this nature, it's actually really super helpful. Um, if there's any one thing that it really teaches you, it's the value of sleep, right? And and making sure that you recovered when you're working out, which means that if you're recovered when you're working out. You're working out in 100% more of the time. Like to give you an example, before my whoop, um, I was working out about six times a week, sometimes two times a day. And uh, when I got my whoop, I moved down to three or four times a week and, and definitely took away all doubles, right? Um, just because you realize that you know, it's going to take you three or four days to recover from days like that, you know, and I'm a 50 year old man. I think the lot, I think there's a lot more people like me and like yeah. Susie than there are like Sarah Sigmund's daughter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so a lot of people are like, Oh wow, Sarah Sigmund's daughter uses this thing. Well, we're just regular people. And we also use similar, similar things to this to get a, a, a good result. Um, anything that you can think of that I didn't cover or should we, should we just jump into the topic? No, I think we should jump into it. So I was talking to a gal um, and she said something really interesting to me. Um, she said, you know, that, and, and I'm not going to get into too specifics, but she wanted to lose a lot of weight, right? So we're not talking about like five to 10 pounds. We're talking about let's just use the number 40 pounds, right? Um, it was not 40 pounds, so I'm keeping all parts of her anonymity in check here. But what she said was, is that she was eating uh, 1,350 calories. Once again, not specific to her situation, but is very similar to 1,350. Um, said that she was trying to lose two pounds a week. And so, uh, and she had been doing it for seven weeks. Um, I'm just trying to think of all the scenarios just in order to keep it anonymous. Um, and so my question to her was, have you been losing? Are you down 14 pounds? And she said no. And she said she didn't really know how much she was down 
because she hasn't checked in 30 days. Oh. This is a common trick that a lot of systems use to get you to buy into their non-specific idea. So I'll give you a, a great example of just the paleo challenge, right? The paleo challenge people, you know, they, they use this trick all the time. You know, don't weigh yourself for 30 days and then we'll just come back. And you went into it thinking, I want to lose two pounds a week. And then you're done with it and you've lost three pounds. And then all of a sudden they change the narrative on you, right? Now it's about, it's about inches. It's about all these things that really didn't matter to you all that much, right? Because you, you wanted to lose really what was an unrealistic expectation, right? Because the reality is if you start with something like a paleo challenge or one of these really suffer as hard as possibly as you can challenges, what they don't know is how you were eating before, right? And so while you might have had wine and pizza occasionally, if you paid the price for wine and pizza every single week, your calorie average actually isn't as high as you think, right? So let's say that your calorie average is 1,600 and you move to say 1,350, right? Well, we can actually do a mathematical calculation on what that deficit looks like, right? Now, to a certain extent, you have water that you might be holding from sodium consumption or alcohol consumption and things of that nature. And we all kind of know that that water goes away the fastest and is sort of irrespective of the overall goal. One thing that I do think, though, is that people discount that water as if it's not relevant and it's actually very relevant, right? I'll give you an example of a client that, that I was working with that started with 230. Her calories were actually set really high. We knew where her baseline was and we knew that she was going to go into fat loss. Um, she lost 15 pounds faster than I've seen probably anyone lose in the last you know six years. Right. It was literally like in three or four days. Um, and so she dismissed it as as water and she ended up losing another 10 pounds. And the problem was, is that she looked at it as 10 pounds of weight loss when, in fact, she's 205. She used to be 230. Right. And so it really diminishes your accomplishment. Right. But the actual math of it. Right. Is when you're looking at one pound of anything a week, it works out to basically about 500 calories a day or 3,500 calories per week. Now, it would be nice if that pound was all fat. And here's some really bad news for the two to three pound people, right? If you want to lose two to three pounds a week, it's more likely to not be fat in that scenario. The slower you do it, the more likely it is fat, right? Yeah, this is actually one, one second, Susie. I'm okay. almost done, and then I'll, I'll hand it over to you. But this is the thing that causes people to rebound 
as hard as they can. Like in the case of my 230-pound gal, right, he's actually in a reset phase. And in that reset phase, you know, her, her weight is actually gone from 205 to 208. She's freaking out because she's thinking she's going to go back to 230, right? And the reality is, is that we're setting up another cycle to get her, you know, under 200 and never look back, right? So I'm going to hand over to Susie because Susie's going to bring up a good point here, I'm pretty sure. Well, I was actually going to say the statistic is more than 10 to 15% of your body weight per week is going to be some muscle, some water included in that. So if you think about it, you're 150 pounds, that's one and a half pounds a week is really anywhere from one to one and a half is what you should be aiming for. If you're 200 pounds, then two pounds a week. Um, but any expectation of these three pounds, four pounds a week, um, if you're outside of that first week, because typically you'll see the water weight losses within the first seven to 10 days. So once you're out of that seven to 10 days, uh, the expectation for you, I would say keep it at about 10% of your body weight per week. So yeah, I think, I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of progress initially, assuming you're over consuming or assuming that you're any performer and you know what your calorie deficit is. This is, this is the part where I think what we do is just so infinitely better than any other thing out there because when Susie and I take you from performance to fat loss, we actually can almost predict the result, right? Because the result becomes more predictable when you have the numbers. Right? Yeah. So I'm gonna walk you, I'm gonna walk everyone through the conversation that I have with this lady um, and walk you through a little bit of what the solution is. Now, you know, we've covered this a lot in podcasts, but I think you know, when you get to the specifics of the math, you know, um, it gets really interesting, right? So the next part was when she said she's at a 600-calorie deficit also, right? And so she's like, I can't figure out why I can't lose weight. So this is the problem with wearables, and this is the problem with how your body reacts to metabolism, and this is the next part of the conversation, is that your body reacts quicker to the down than it does to the up. And this is the part that all of you are scared shitless about that, honestly, you shouldn't be. I can think of a um, one of, you know, once again, one of my private clients who came to me eating 800 calories and currently she's eating 2200 calories right and she's actually lower in weight than she was and you go well how did that happen right because that doesn't make any sense at all well it does make sense if you know about metabolism and how metabolism works right because metabolism you know once again there's a lot of information about metabolism out there and I would argue that much of it is bullshit where people are trying to deceive you to get you to buy a system that isn't very scientific, right? And metabolism, when you think about it, 
is a combination of moving, it's a combination of muscle, and it's a combination of what you're eating, right? So if you're not eating very much, your body's going to adapt to that very quickly, much quicker than you think. I've used this before, but Eric Helms talks about this on his podcast, which is also a great science-based podcast, um, was that his metabolism actually cut in half within two weeks of starting a bodybuilding cutting cycle. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason was because, you know, he's been through cutting cycles previously. So the more you diet, the worse you get at dieting. And if you're listening to this podcast, this is probably not your first diet rodeo, right? So you have to kind of keep that in mind as we start to have these discussions. So in this lady's mind, you know, she's at 1350 and then 600. And so her theoretical total daily energy expenditure, which she found on the internet somewhere, was supposed to be 2200. And she's expecting to have eight pack abs within eight weeks. And the reality is she might only lose six pounds, right? And the reason why she would only lose six pounds is because she wasn't eating that theoretical 2,200 calories when she thought she was, right? There's this idea that there's all these obese people, right? And they are all obese because they're all overeating. And the reality is, is they're, they're overeating their total, their, their metabolic number, right? And so when you diet, your metabolic number goes down. And so unless you're working with a coach like us or have a real good understanding of this concept, what often ends up happening is that you go through a diet cycle you lose 10 pounds, five of it was water that you lost in the first week. The next four to five weeks, you suffer to lose the other five pounds because realistically you don't know what you were eating. You know, the internet said it should be 2,200, but in reality, if you were tracking it, maybe it was 1,850, right? So 10 pounds is actually a really good result. But here's the problem. You wanted to lose two pounds a week and you wanted to lose 40 pounds, like the scenario that we're talking about. So then what happens? Then it's cheesecake time, right? Or beer time or wine time or pizza time because you're broken and you cannot be fixed. That's the mentality that we all have. And I know this because that's the mentality I had before I sought out this level of understanding. I mean, a lot of this information is out there, but if I'm trying to sell you like some kind of magic food plan for 1995, right, where you get like 16 foods, you know, and you need to strictly do this and you need to eat 18 meals a day. And at each time you're going to eat those 18 meals and then the calories need to be X, but calories aren't X. They're actually macros, which is totally different, right? And it's like, no, macros when you add them up, equal calories, right? And so there's been this just major league deception that goes on with a lot of these things, and that's what I'm trying to decode for you here, right? So when you do 600 calories worth of exercise and you're eating 1,350 and you've been doing that for six weeks, your body's adjusted. 
And you're not in starvation mode, by the way, right? That's just how your body works. And you're working against how your body wants to work, right? And that's why you're stuck. That's why you're in a plateau. And that's why you get frustrated. And if you're like a lot of people and you have a great amount of stress in your life and you've been kind of confused about all this for a really long time and this magic meal plan or this magic macro plan or this magic, you know, voodoo doll or whatever people are selling you, right, is not irrespective of the numbers, right? Low carb, great example, right? Low carb, we, you know, we've been talking about this a lot last couple of weeks. Low carb, there's a calorie component to low carb, right? And what I'm talking about related to your, your metabolism adjusting, right, hormonally and, and in terms of muscle, the harder you low carb, the worse it gets, right? And I would argue that the biggest problem with low carb is not the low carb part. It's the part where your calories get super low. This is actually a common criticism for intermittent fasting for women, right? So there was a lot of studies recently that came out related to intermittent fasting. Recently, when I say recently, it's like the last two or three years. It talked about how detrimental it was for women. Well, dealing with 90% women as it relates to the clients of Eat to Perform, I know that women tend to be a little bit more aggressive as it relates to diets than men do, right? And so when we look at the dieting history of women and things of this nature, if we're looking at intermittent fasting and we're just using it as a way to hit the nail harder, is intermittent fasting the problem or is it the way that you're using the tool is the problem, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're using intermittent fasting, so I'll, I'll give an example of this person, right, who wants to go to 1350, right? And, you know, I'm talking to her and I'm like, look, here, if you want to lose two pounds a day, you got to get to a thousand calorie deficit. And she's like, okay, I'm gangster. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get to 350. And she's like, I've been hearing about this intermittent fasting. Maybe I'll do 350 with intermittent fasting. And all of a sudden, you know, her nails start to, to become brittle. She starts losing her hair. All mm -hmm. these negative things that happen from extreme restriction. Well, was it intermittent fasting was the problem? Or was it the fact that she didn't reset, right? And that's what we're going to run through here for a second. But I know Susie has a lot of great information on the topics that I just touched on. But when you look at trying to get to a further deficit, when you're already stressed, all you're basically doing is accelerating the stress problem that you have, sending your cortisol through the roof, not sleeping, not working out because you don't sleep, right? You're constantly fatigued and you're kind of working against the negative there. Before I hand off to Susie, when I talk about the 800 calorie person that went to 2200 calories, she'll tell you that her calories at 800 weren't not anything like the 2200, right? And so that was a little bit of the answer, right? Not only did we kickstart the metabolism by, by, by resetting the food, but also her workouts then went crazy. And actually the, the, 
600 number that I talked about that this woman was trying to use to get to a deficit, now that number actually becomes more real when food is actually in the equation, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll hand it off to Susie and then we'll try to nail this down before we talk to you about the second part. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing that, that came to my mind when you were talking about metabolism down-regulating faster than it up-regulates, the interesting thing about the way that our brains are wired um, and this, you know, obviously comes from, you know, thousands and thousands of years on this planet is that our brains cannot distinguish between diet and famine. Um, so when you diet, your brain thinks famine. <laughs> Think about our ancestors. You know, they would go for days and days without food um, and then they would find food all of a sudden and then they would eat a lot of it. And that's just basically what we are wired to do. So when you are dieting, your brain thinks, uh-oh, I need to downregulate. You're going to stop doing a lot of things that you don't even notice, the twitching, the, the you know, kind of not being able to sit still. Uh, you may find yourself just sitting on the couch. You know, you're watching Netflix a little bit more, all of those things. Hold on, Paul wants to interrupt. Go ahead. But did those cavemen have abs? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. They have probably had a lot. Of- right? Like, think if you think about it, this is a great discussion that Susie's bringing up, is that they didn't have the concerns we have, right? They didn't care about abs. They just wanted to live. Right. So, so they were more concerned. So, yeah, they probably did have abs during the periods of restriction where the, the food wasn't abundant. And then when they didn't, I doubt that their cave lady cared very much. Right. right? Because he's just just happy to have Bruno around or whatever the caveman name would have been at that time. Yeah, exactly. I interrupted. No, you're fine. But to further that point, a lot of people will say, we get this when people are talking to us. We talked about that that channel where you can type interested and then a coach will contact you. But a lot of the things I hear are related to, well, I'm, I'm really good. I'm really on track all week. And then at some point in their diet, they just lose it. Right. And then they say, if only I had more willpower, if only I was mentally stronger, those sorts of things. And what what is happening there is that your your brain will literally override any desire you have to continue your diet because it wants food. And it has nothing to do with your willpower. It has nothing to do with you being a bad person or a sugar addiction or anything like that. It just has to do with the fact that your brain wants food and it's going to get food. So you will do much better by having, um, you can be in a deficit and you can diet, um, but we don't need to go to extremes, you know, where you're eating 800 calories a day or a thousand calories a day. And like Paul said, by not going to such gigantic extremes, one, you'll, you'll stop the down regulation of your metabolism won't be as fast um, you can actually get a little bit more of a longer period of time where your body's losing weight. Um, and then you won't also have that feeling of famine where your brain just says, dang it, I'm going to have some cheesecake and pizza. And there is no amount of willpower that's going to stop you from eating that. Um, and so that's, that's the kind of things we manage. So basically that's all I wanted to hit on um, from what you were saying. Yeah. I think, I think what happens is that we're, we're in this, narrative with Instagram and Facebook where people are talking about suffering a lot right? 
And so, you know, I, I think about Jocko Willenick's podcast where he dismisses the concept of willpower because he's a former Navy SEAL and things of this nature. And I agree with him. I agree with his major point there that, you know, people often don't realize, you know, how much more that they have in them. That's irrespective of this conversation, Mm -hmm. right? Because this conversation is not about you being temporarily uncomfortable. Because, you know, in Jocko Willenick's example, he's not going to be avoiding a a steak or a baked potato anytime, right? (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, when it comes to basic survival, all of those people are going to do the right thing but it really comes to a level of expectation. So I'm going to wrap this up relatively quickly, and then we'll move on to the, the, the CrossFit conversation. So, so what would we do in that situation, and how would that situation evolve, right? So I think what's really interesting about you know this podcast, and, and I, don't, I don't hear a lot of podcasts, we're actually telling you what we would do for you, right? Yeah. That is going to make a big difference for you long term. And and I think, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, people see it with the page, but don't necessarily always see it, you know, the way that we do in the community group where people are dropping 15, 20 pounds and things of this nature and like, oh my goodness, I just was doing it the wrong way. So in this instance, where this lady's telling me that she's eating 1,350 calories, I'm going to kind of make her prove it, right? And okay. and there's two reasons why, and, and sometimes it throws people off when I say this, because, you know, we're either going to be aggressive or caution. We're never going to throw caution to the wind because almost, you know, I don't think I've ever really talked to anyone that's willing to gain just a lot of weight just in hopes that things work out. Yeah. In general, people are trying to look for some level of recomp or might actually want to lose a little bit of weight or lose a lot of weight, right? So mm-hmm. in the instance where this person, maybe her macro balance is off a little bit, and so – like as an example, if she had a little bit more protein, maybe a little bit more carbs, maybe a little bit less fat. Now all of a sudden, that 600 calorie deficit that she was getting before actually becomes more efficient. She's holding on to muscle, things of that nature, right? And holding on to muscle does have its problems, right? So like if you just do low carb and you pull all the water out of your body, it's really gratifying and and it's certainly motivating, but it's not fat, right? right. And, and that's that's a piece that gets really frustrating to people because you know if you've ever been on low carb, people rebound super hard on low carb, and oftentimes it's actually not a bad thing. They are actually just refilling the glycogen stores in their muscle, actually allowing their hormones to get back in place, right? So there's some good things about those things that happen. But if your thought process is, you know, I suffered so hard to lose this 50 pounds 
and then you gain 10 pounds back, sometimes you can go off the rails, right? So now we're going to start that person off pretty aggressive. And if they're responding to the plan, we're going to go even a little bit more aggressive than that before we reverse them out. One of the things that's really nice about our fat loss cycles is they're defined, right? This is not one of these lose 50 pounds or bust scenarios, right? We can take you through multiple cycles and get you the result that you want. And here's the interesting part. The gal that I talked about that was at 800 and then is now at 2200 and actually is at a lower weight, she's 140. It's much more common if you're 220 to 250 to actually lose more weight when calories are going up. How much weight? Five to 10 pounds probably, right? Now, you go, well, can you guarantee me these five to 10 pounds? No, because I can't guarantee you your effort, right? And and that's where I think, you know, people over-rely on calories or over-rely on their exercise protocol and don't realize that maybe their steps are low. There's a lot of other factors that go on, right? And so, you know, the long story short is once that's over, there'll be various resets that we put in place to normalize calories. And in that process, right, we're going to rinse and repeat to get you to ultimately where you want to go. For a lot of people, what ends up happening is they realize they actually don't have 40 pounds of weight to lose. They have 40 pounds of fat to lose, right? And so if they gain, say, 15 pounds of muscle in this process, really only have to lose 25 pounds. And then, you know, in theory, you have the body of your dreams. But the reality is, is there is no body of your dreams. The goals always change. The goals always change for me. They always change for Susie, right? When I was an exercise beast and ate packed up, you know, um, that was not super great for my life, right? Mm -hmm. And as the CEO of Eat to Perform, you know, I've had to make some adjustments, and some of those adjustments mean that, you know, having an optimal physique all the time is not going to fit my overall life. I mean, when you see me, you'll go, well, that dude works out, right? right? But you're not gonna look at me and and think to yourself, yeah, you know, <laughs> his his abdomen looks like a map of Eurasia. Um, so I'm going to give Susie one minute to talk about that before we shut it down and move it over. But I need to get my charger because my computer is about to go out. Yeah, no worries. Um, so the only other thing I have to add to that, so if we're looking at the scenario of this person at 13, 15 calories, you know, say that two scenarios I see happen. Say one, she actually starts sort of weighing things out, um, paying more attention to um, logging everything, including, you know, those little bites of food you take off your children's plates and things like that. And then come to find out um, her actual calorie intake is quite a bit higher um, than, than he, she thought, um, that does happen. Um, when you actually start using a food scale, um, 
you know, you can be surprised by actual amounts. Um, the other thing is that maybe she was, you know, weighing, measuring, being, you know, super confident in that 1,350 calories. And so we start there, we start a little bit lower and we don't see any weight loss. Um, I think, what do you call it, Paul? You, you, you sucked all the water out of that rock or something, you know? Like he's banging on this rock nonstop. And yeah. Like yeah. And that, yeah. And at that point, that's when we, as coaches, we consider, okay, it's time to, start adding some calories in, let's, let's upregulate your metabolism. Um, and then we can revisit, you know, 1350 calories again, um, down the road. But at some point there's, when there's no more water that you can get out of that rock, you you've got to start doing something differently. So yeah, like a, in, in the 800, 2200 scenario, she actually moved to fat loss recently and then immediately moved back to performance because yeah. You know, what she realized was that, you know, like trying to get every ounce of water out of that rock yeah. is not something that she's interested in anymore. And it's yeah. okay that that goal change. All right. Yeah. So, so there's going to be a lot of what we're going to talk about here is going to be speculation because <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of information out there. But what I wanted to do is kind of just give my perspective as somebody that has a lot of followers on Facebook, you know, um, believes in the power of that as it relates to uh, getting out your overall message. Um, and, you know, like anything, there's always where um, there's going to be some truth, you know, in some of the story that's sort of getting out and then maybe there's some things behind the scenes that, you know, really isn't coming out yet that would be more enlightening to the scenario. So that'll be a little bit of a speculation. But what I what I want to start this out saying is that um, I drank the Kool-Aid 10 years ago, right? Yeah. I CrossFit. I went to CrossFit yesterday. I'll go to CrossFit tomorrow, right? But my CrossFit experience is very different. And Susie is the same. So, Susie, I'll let you. Like, when did you start doing CrossFit? And I know you're like me where you've done various things. Yeah, I've been um, – so I probably started six years ago. And then I did it – that was the only thing I did for about three, three and a half years. And then I switched more to CrossFit sort of once or twice a week. And combine that with just your normal sort of hypertrophy gym lifting sessions. Um, then my CrossFit gym sort of changed a little bit. And so I had to, I couldn't have two gym memberships. Like I couldn't have CrossFit and a gym membership. So now I am strictly at a sort of more typical gym. Um, but I did sort of see the pros and cons of, of daily CrossFit workouts and, and feel like I can talk somewhat intelligently <laughs> about it. Um, but I mostly left now i've been on and off for 10 years now right so when i started crossfit um I, I say this all the time and people don't believe me is we all believed we were going to the crossfit games but the crossfit games were a different animal at that point right so if you yeah. ever get a chance to look at the 2008 crossfit games um where they did it at the ranch you showed up 
with a six pack of beer and a hundred bucks and you were in the CrossFit games, yeah. right? One year later was when I joined, you know? So we all thought we were going to the CrossFit games. Regionals the next year um, was just like this gigantic shit show where there was just, you know, a lot of people. So a lot of people can, can claim that they went to, you know, regionals that were athletes probably similar to my ability, which is awesome for them that they had that experience, but it's not the same experience that exists now. Right. right. And so when we look back over to the evolution of CrossFit, there has been one consistent thing. Bizarre incidents. <laughs> yes. Monstrously bizarre incidents. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bury the lead here, right? I just see Ben Bergeron, CJ Martin, one of these people that you know, has a big following within CrossFit going, we're done with crazy town. You know, right. you want to affiliate with Ben Bergeron or CJ Martin or whatever, but we're starting this. And, and many of them have that, right? Like comp train from Ben Bergeron is, is, is huge. His podcast is followed by lots of people. So they, they already have kind of this thing and, and, and Glassman is already sort of, so, for people that don't know, you know, um, Greg Glassman is the owner, kind of runs each uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> CrossFit. Um, and ironically, Susie's last name is Glassman. Her husband is named Greg Glassman, just not that Greg Glassman. Right? Yes. Her husband is the Greg Glassman, and then there's another Greg Glassman um, that runs CrossFit. And yes. He's, he's, he's a, he's a unique character, right? I mean, one of the things that I think people like about him and, and are fiercely loyal to him, um, because of this is like, Hey, we're on the crazy train. It's fine. No big deal. Um, and so when people were getting really good results, you know, 10, 12 years ago, doing this exercise protocol that was really different. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's YouTube videos where people are throwing weights and Bosa balls and they were calling it CrossFit. And like, there's a video with Dave Castro deadlifting with Jason Kalipa. And they just left all that shit out there without the thought process of how it affects the businesses that work with them. Right. And so, you know, I'm not going to kind of bust my gym out, but like in the case of my gym, the guy was a, a special forces, right? And he didn't really have like this great connection to HQ. He never really cared much about the competition aspect, right? When I showed up to CrossFit, I was like the only regular dude. Like, that dude was a Navy SEAL. That dude was Army Ranger. That dude is trying to be an Army Ranger. That person was a Division One football player, right? So, like, it was just the start of normal people showing up at CrossFit, right? 
So now all of a sudden, let's fast forward seven years or eight years or whenever it is right now, um, or close to where it is right now. So you've been crossfitting for two to three years. You've gotten a great result. You have this community. I just need you to know that this one bizarro incident that you're seeing or or maybe the second one because the CrossFit regionals going away was also a bit bizarre. This is a pattern. This is not abnormal, right? And 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 what what I think we need to kind of look at or at least talk about a little bit is there's just not enough people that are willing to talk about this because you know, to a certain extent, their hands are in their pockets of CrossFit. So Ben Bergeron is not going to come out on his podcast and say, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about starting his own affiliate program because it's crazy town. He's just going to do it, right? And 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 it's either going to be successful or it's not. But if you're, you know, you started your affiliate two, three years ago, you know, and and you got 90 members and 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 things of this nature, and the community is really strong. You know, I, I feel like that's what my scenario was 10 years ago, right? Those people are the fit people that I worked out with. I actually did a reverse Susie, right? So Susie had a CrossFit gym and now works out at a global gym, and maybe she'll end up at another CrossFit gym. I it, optimally. I can get the best result from a regular gym membership if that were appealing to me mentally. It's just not, right? I like working out with the people that I worked out with. In the last four to five months, you know, I've hurt my knee twice in Metcons that I would not have hurt doing my normal routine yet here i am still going to crossfit because mentally having that relationship with people so that's the power of crossfit that's the reason why people are all in right and so when you get like these crazy messages of the first place winner getting you know a gun which seems totally outside of the realm of CrossFit and you're like, wow, that is really bizarre. Like we're fighting that one. Right. And then, you know, I mean, I just remember, you know, the crotch, the crotch shot stuff from like seven years ago where that was being posted on, on, on Facebook to get Facebook hits because you know, there's a social media person like, Hey, look, we got to get this stuff out there. We got all these hot chicks and like all the hot chicks were like, no, don't do that. Don't show me in an objectionable way, right, just because it gets you more likes, right? right? And ultimately, they corrected that, and they figured that out. But there's just been, like, these things that just seem, you know, you think that there's, like, this big corporate entity with all these checks and balances in their art, right? And so when, you know, CrossFit – deletes their Instagram and their Facebook, they, they, there's very clearly a PR website, you know, that, you know, Greg Glassman uses to get a lot of these messages out. So you can read Morning Chalk. I don't know who runs it, 
Um, but if you're looking for the reason that crazy thing happened, go to that morning chalk site because it's coming out, right? And Greg will often use that as a way to explain away whatever bizarro decision that he made, right? Um, but in the two most recent ones, you know, the first bizarro one um, that I think realistically is going to work out better for CrossFit, um, assuming that, you know, they can stay out of their own way, which I'm not completely convinced is going to happen, right. um, is when regionals went away, right? And then there was like, how are people going to get to the CrossFit games? Like, no, guys, we're winging it. We're good. Right. And I mean, look, you know, as a business owner, I realize you have to be agile. You have to make changes. And the reality is regionals was costing them so much money. But in that process, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people that many of you knew, right, had no idea what was going to happen. And the reality of the situation is that's business sometimes. Right. But when you're kind of winging it, right, um, and there's all this bizarro stuff that sort of happens, and then on the affiliate level, right, there's just all these things that sort of trickle down to, yeah, you know, I was thinking about joining CrossFit, but they deleted their Facebook account. Like, are they even in business? Like, that's not even a thing that they think about, right? And that needs to be thought about. Right. Because if you own a CrossFit affiliate and you're trying to get CrossFit people into your gym. Right. You might want to affiliate with Ben Bergeron's new whatever it is, because Ben Bergeron seems like a mentally stable guy. Right. <laughs> and it just doesn't seem like there's you know, it's just constant crazy town, you know. And I mean, I have a relationship with a lot of people who own CrossFit gyms, right? Just through Eat to Perform. And I can tell you that getting clients is kind of a big deal, right? So instability within the corporate offices is never gonna be seen as a positive thing. Now, CrossFit gains part of it where they had to reorganize and business needs to get better. That part I get, right? And I think they actually stumbled on a better idea, right? Accidentally, what I think they're figuring out is that having the Rogue Invitational, right, is better. Having the people that run the Granite Games, right, they're local here. These people worked their asses off. They were probably better off than having a small team of people going to Brazil setting up shop, 16 people in the stands, it's not as good, right? So that piece of things is probably going to work itself out. Unfortunately, a lot of people lost their jobs in that scenario, and there was a lot of instability without a lot of explanation on why that was, why that was happening, right? So in, to, to give Greg's side of things, you know, what he said in the morning chalk, you know, and once again, all of these scenarios, they they all have a degree of truth to it, right? So all of these bizarro decisions kind of sometimes can seem like 
Well, here's the justification that I used to do this really bizarro thing after the fact, right? So one of the, the things that was described was, you know, how Facebook uses um, people's information. This is all inf things that we've all known for 20 years now, right? Um, that you're giving away a little bit of your privacy to have this majorly awesome thing called Facebook and Instagram, right? Then there was a thing, and and I I I do. There's a lot of people aren't aren't believing Greg. I believe him. I 100% believe yeah. this dude actually deleted a channel that represents his business in defense of some admins related to this group. So apparently there was this group related to the Banting diet, which is very low carb, right? Like, so kind of the origins of dieting sort of happened with this Banting guy, right? And so it was relatively low carb. And a lot of the really bizarro things that come out related to Greg, Greg Glassman, the guy that owns CrossFit or runs CrossFit often comes about because of low carb, right? Yeah. And, you know, my friends, now a lot of people will say, well, Paul, you know, is pro carb. I'm not pro carb. I'm not pro anything. I'm agnostic as it relates to all of these things. My thing is you should be able to be flexible. And in theory, that's what CrossFit was supposed to be, right? But the one thing that they're 100% not is low carb, right? right? Especially as it relates to Greg and especially as it relates to the message from HQ. And my family used to tell me all the time, they're like, you can tell who you are by the people that you hang around, right? And when you look at the people that Greg hangs around, a lot of them, you know, when you Google their names, right, is such and such a whack job, right? <laughs> it is such and such, you know, on the up and up, right? Um, are they trolling people, right? Because there's these messages that, you know, and many of these people are trying to solve a very difficult problem with a very simple answer. Look, if you're over consuming sugary drinks and things of this nature, you know, then, you know, controlling your carbohydrates or sodas, right, is going to be a positive. But, I mean, it, the other thing that would be a positive in that scenario would just be going for a walk, right? <laughs> so you stop drinking sodas and you start going for walks and it will change your life, right? And then if you throw CrossFit into the mix, it will change your life. But in all of those processes, some things need to change to get to where you want to go. So for me, obesity was my biggest problem at 255 pounds, right? At 165 pounds, my biggest problem was getting abs, right? And what I don't think that CrossFit is completely honest about 
is that most of the people that do CrossFit, you know, were fit, were working towards being fit, right? Or are really looking for more a more evolved solution. And when you look at Ben Bergeron does and C.J. Martin does and, and, and all these people, you know, to a certain extent what we do, right, to a certain extent companies similar to us, um, a lot of the paleo challenge people, you know, those are becoming less and less because people are realizing the magic of paleo challenge is that you're just eating less, right? Like that really works that first time when you're over consuming sodas and not walking, right? But, you know, the 16th time, it just doesn't work anymore, right? So you have to be a little bit more specific. And that's where you see, you know, if we take, if we take that juxtaposition and we put that towards training and you've been crossfitting for eight years and you're wondering why you're not getting better, Ben Bergeron's got a real good solution for you. It's called comp train. And, you know, um, CJ Martin's got a real good solution for you in Invictus training, right? That'll be the things that sort of take you to the next level, you know, and you're seeing many gyms that have similar type programs, right? Where they have competitors training or things where you're getting a little bit more than just the daily watch. For me, I'm a daily wide guy, right? Like if uh, um, if my whoop will let me, like I talked about earlier, you know, and and you know things are going well, I'm gonna daily wide five times instead of three, right? And you know, oftentimes if my recovery is good, you know, I'm gonna see body composition results and, and things of this nature. So. The reason why Greg said that he did it was because of the privacy concerns related to Facebook. I don't really buy that as the thing. Um, I do buy that the, the Banton group made a major impression on him because he's a very big zealot. I mean, I would argue that it's to the point of religion with him. And I think if you said that to him, he would go, yes, it is a religion to me. I believe in it that strongly, and I don't have a problem with him believing in it that strongly. That has no effect on me or what I'm about to say, right? But when you make decisions like that, it affects more than just you and your religion, right? And so I get that you want to stand up for those people, and then the thing that you've all, you've known for 10 years right, for 20 years, that Facebook uses all this information. I mean, dude, just watch 60 Minutes two years ago, right? Why didn't you make the jump? Well, you made the jump now because there were other factors. The other factor that he mentioned, and you got to realize that people mention things for a reason, right, was that he was offered $5 million to broadcast, you know, the CrossFit games on Facebook, you know, and what he's saying, and this is the part where I'm going to speculate, I'm happy to be wrong. Um, what he's saying is that, uh, you know, he wasn't going to take $5 million to protect the privacy of all the people, you know, within CrossFit. Mm -hmm. The 
the reality is, is Facebook's already got all those people's information. It sounds like a negotiation gone bad to me, right? That's just speculation, right? But if you wanted 10 million, right? And now all of a sudden they're offering five and you're at that hard 10 and they're at that hard five, right? And you, we've all been there in a relationship. You know, if you don't do the dishes, I'm out of here. And then you realize, oops, <laughs> like I'm pretty attached to this person. I really don't care about the dishes very much. And all of a sudden you break up because this dude's not doing the dishes. You know, right. we've all been in those types of scenarios. I just think that this group, you know, who, you know, there's rumors about the group and who they were trying to attract and stuff like that. I'm not going to even get into the speculation of that. I don't think that that plays a lot, a role into this scenario, and I'm already speculating enough, right? But I think the scenarios that I'm putting out there, you know, are very plausible. And everyone here can go, you know what? I think it sounds right. But feel free to speculate. There's a ton of people talking about it in all the various CrossFit groups out there. Right. But I think that, you know, the Banting group might have been the straw that broke Greg's back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to throw out one other scenario. I don't think he understands a lot about Facebook. I don't think he understands a lot about Instagram. Right. And Facebook and Instagram largely are pay to play. Right. And if you're not paying to play, people aren't going to see your stuff, right? Right. So when the social media people were running things, the crop shot folks, that's why I mentioned it way back in the day, they're (laughs) like, man, you can get lots of likes if you throw up a bunch of crop shots, right? Yeah. That was a different time of social media, right? Now Now those same posts get, you know, marked, right? And that was mentioned in Morning Chalk, that now Facebook has these people that kind of work out there, and they're putting it out there as if, like, it was a really super negative thing. You know, a lot of that comes from all the election stuff that was going on and, and, and things of that nature, right? But but to, to kind of simplify things a little bit, Instagram and Facebook are pay-to-play. So when you put up a bunch of Archie Bunker, you know, videos where a guy is 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 doing air squats with gallons of water, surprise, surprise, people aren't really that interested in that. They're not going to share that other than going, I have no idea what's going on. Oh, by the way, this is another one of the bizarro things, right? You know, like the, their social media you know, started, you know, posting on YouTube, um, you know, spinach and bacon and, and, and tomatoes cooked in olive oil. And people are like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. You know, because we all used to, you know, a little bit of who we all are was the fact that we kind of do what Camille does, right? Or we kind of do what Matt Fraser does. And then, you know, now, you know, kind of being associated with, like, the Bacon YouTube channel 
Like, there's just not a connection, right? And that's a little bit of why all those people that left, all those people were good at calming people down. They were real good. Like, I, you know, I, I can think of one person that didn't survive the first layoffs, like way back in the day. Like, I, this was probably five years ago. That person was like an affiliate liaison. Right, so when that goes and you don't have someone doing that, you're in that role. Now all of a sudden, people are like, dude, this crazy town shit. Talk to me, right? It's like, well, we're not gonna talk to you. We're just putting up bacon posts, and you know, hopefully you can get clients, right? Yeah. I just don't think that. I think all those people that have left brought a set of skills that was not highly valued or that they couldn't afford anymore, mm-hmm. right? And now with this combination of kind of this low-carb zealotry, right? I mean, one of the things about Greg, and, you know, it's a criticism of Greg that I think is very unfair, right, is, you know, yeah, you have the athletes like Rich Froning, but, you know, Greg – has a disability. So he cannot do CrossFit to the level that Rich Froning does, right? Now, is Greg healthy? You know, at, at times you see him and he's very healthy. Um, I, I think that, you know, people look at him. I mean, what he reminds me of is Jimmy Buffett, right? Like if Jimmy Buffett, you know, owned CrossFit, you know, you've got your hat backwards and things of this nature. There's a lot of people that are like, man, I love me some Jimmy Buffett. Right. And then there's other people that go, you know, if you're not familiar with Greg, it just seems weird. It just seems weird. It seems more in line when Rich Froning is in charge or Sarah Sigmund Arter is in charge because people go, I want to look like those people. Right. And they don't realize that the person with the brains behind all of this was the behind the back cat guy, right? And so there has always been and will always be this conflict of the high-minded picture related to health and related to a certain extent to low-carb zealotry and competition, right? And I wrote an article about it, and I still stand by this article, right? And I believe it to be true that a big part of the problem that comes with the conflict between just the the macro view version of CrossFit where you're trying to help a lot of people with health and the, you know, crazy competitor side of things is that the crazy competitor side of things need food. And they need carbohydrates to restore their glycogen. And if you're a zealot related to low carb, right, that's going to conflict. When you look at CrossFit Health, go look at any of the videos. None of them are really going to make a great argument for the competitor. They don't really care about that. And I would argue that that's a high-minded thing. One of the things that gets lost, it will not be – the takeaway from this conversation is not going to be what I'm about to say. The takeaway is going to be eat to perform was critical of CrossFit, which
which I don't believe I am being critical of CrossFit. I'm just one of the first people that's willing to step up and say, because I don't derive money from CrossFit, right? So I can speak openly about my experience with CrossFit, right? But I think what, what Greg is doing related to trying to get more general population people within CrossFit, addressing that is a thing. It is a it is a high mining thing having uh, you know I look at the older members at my gym we all love them right we all love the fact that those people are CrossFitters also we all love every piece of every person that was in within CrossFit right but that message is very difficult to get across in social media we see this all the time people are like. Why aren't you showing more body diversity? I'm like, we're showing more body diversity than just about anybody. But I can show you two posts that I posted within the last week where someone is essentially, you know, an older athlete, probably has grandchildren, should be motivating to every single person, has six comments. Other person, very fit. Very young, probably been fit most of their life. 784 comments. That's just the way social media works. So when you post Archie Bunker working out, people just don't give a shit about that. Yeah. Right? And so if that frustrates you, and then you take this next thing, and that frustrates you also, and then there's other things that frustrate you, it's better to solve the problem and stay as a business face than make this fake argument that you left, right? Because of these factors that really aren't the reason why you left. Once again, speculation on my part, right? <laughs> That's totally fine that, that people think that way. Right. But I just feel like, you know, this bizarro world that has been happening for the last 10 to 12 years, I've been saying this forever, I've been wanting Reebok to buy it or Nike to buy it or somebody, Rogue, buy it, please, somebody buy it. Right. I'm just tired of the bizarro stink that comes along with me doing CrossFit. Yeah. Right? And that, that stink has always been there because, you know, and there's been there's been a lot of positivity, you know, related to a lot of the things. I mean, you know, at a certain point, you know, when Greg comes out, you know, um, and 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 rips the Jonas Brothers kid for having type one diabetes, right? Because because he performed at a Coke show or something like that. I don't remember the specifics of that specific event, but like attacking people on social media that have type one diabetes should not be one of the goals of a corporate entity, right? It affects affiliates. It affects gym goers. It affects people signing up yeah. to gym memberships, right? And so you having a role, you know, I mean, ironically, you know, when all those people were hired, 
and we had great CrossFit videos and, and, and snippets from the CrossFit games and, and all that. I watched all that stuff on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like, they probably did the best job of anybody there. If you think I'm going to go to Twitter because you're there, you're wrong. Twitter's a cesspool, dude. Yeah. Like, like Twitter Twitter is is just a lot of people puking, right? And really not a lot about – I mean, when you look at the criticisms of Facebook and Instagram that it's really both a pay-to-play model, you know, it's curated, right? It's like it's like the Archie Bunker post, don't go crazy, right? And the inspirational post of a person that does CrossFit in a wheelchair does go crazy. On mm-hmm. Twitter – you know, I think this is part of the argument why they want to go to Twitter is that Twitter, everybody sees your stuff, right? They all get to see it, right? All the warts, you know, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff. But you know what? People only interact on Twitter with the good stuff. They're not going to interact, you know, just because you're mad that, and, and once again, speculation on my part, just because you're mad because people didn't like your Archie Bunker thing so you thought it was really creative, guess what? I do that all the time. I think a post, I write articles, and I think to myself, people are really going to dig this, and then they don't, yeah. right? And it, it's up to you to respond to that audience as a corporate figure. I don't have your know, 26 million affiliates that rely on me for income, though. Right. So if I write a bad article, I just scratch that up and write another one, you know, and and base it off of the experience that I have. And I understand that when you're a corporate entity, you have to kind of make these decisions and you sort of have to roll the dice. And then hopefully, you know, it ends up working out for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I understand that that's what they're doing in this instance. Right. And um, I just. You know, uh, I can, you know, it feels like I'm not letting Susie talk. Um, But I'll I'll kind of end this long diatribe that I've been on um, by saying that I I believe Greg. (laughs) I believe what he's saying. You know, I do believe that there may have been, you know, some some negotiations. I I think the scenario I'm presenting is probably the most plausible scenario, right? But... Maybe, you know, as it relates to the way that he thinks about privacy and, and things of this nature, maybe that did play a role in the scenario. Maybe the negotiations for the CrossFit games being in Facebook Watch, maybe that also played a scenario, right? But if I was kind of hurting for cash and had this really expensive event where maybe I don't know if people are showing up and then you know, you have kind of the CrossFit Open where 25% less people. Guess what? That's 25% less people. That's 25% less dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so now all of a sudden, a lot of the dollars that you were expecting to come in, you know, maybe you overreact to something like that. Maybe you're a little emotional or something like that. You know, and I would go, well, we give you the benefit of the doubt if you'd ever earned it. But you haven't. You've just been 10 to, you know, 15 to 20 years of just bizarro shit, right? And so there's no buffer. All the buffers, you've let go, right? 
And so, so when we go, you know, why is this happening? Well, we just expect crazy shit from you, right? And so, so you're just the crazy uncle, right? That that we all have, and we're either gonna put up with you or we're gonna start doing that 45 next week, right? And I and I and and I'm not saying that flippantly. I'm saying that to you as a plea. Say stop doing this. Use your buffers. Use the people that seem somewhat fucking reasonable that you might want to listen to to not discount the millions of people that follow you because that's what gets people into your gyms, right? And you might think that all 26,000 affiliates are following you and, you know, that number's up for debate. But the reality is you just hurt them, right? And you hurt them a lot by a lot of these things that you do and you just need to stop, right? I want Reebok to buy you. I want Nike to buy you. I want Rogue to buy you just because they have corporate, you know, infrastructures in place that you do not, right? And that agileness, it was all cute. You know, when people were throwing bars back and forth to each other on YouTube and we go, you know what? It doesn't really work like that. It's not cute anymore. This is, this is, it's evolved past that, right? And I mean, I'm just tired of this thing. I'm tired of this crazy stuff that has to define me in the way that I crossfit, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people feel this way. And I'm just one of the ones saying it, right? <laughs> and I understand that on the internet, there, there's a lot of people talking about it and speculating, and you know, some of the crossfit groups aren't as, as, admin as much as the other ones, you know, um, but I do think a little, you know, I, I keep saying my hands off. I, I think that a little bit of this is on Twitter, people kind of read the comments, but maybe they don't read the comments, right? It's not that big a deal. You really just kind of want to hear what Thor does for his workout that day. Right. Facebook people read the comments and there's Facebook groups and things of this nature. And I think that you leaving because you're hearing some things that maybe you'd rather not hear um, is is possibly another reason. Right. And so so I'm going to hand over to Susie. I don't even know that she wants to jump into this shit show, but but go ahead. You, yeah, you. I, was gonna say, I don't know that there's anything more that I can say. I mean, I'm I feel like I'm more the, of an outsider in the situation. I read the, his interview with the morning chalk up, and my, I just thought this this man has lost his mind. I think that some of his appeal all along has been that he's been a little out there. He's rebellious. He's on the sort of fringe of society and. And the affiliates that first started with him were, um, you know, these fringe groups who were willing to kind of do something different. And um, but I agree with Paul that that it's grown, it's matured, it's changed. And and now that um, I have some good friends who own a CrossFit gym, um, I have, you know, I know people who are personally affected. And and so I hope I am with Paul. Like I hope that either he's, you know, can surround himself with with people that will sort of protect his worst instincts 
<laughs> um, or, you know, people sort of figure it out and, and, and come up with something even better. Um, it's unfortunate that, that things can't stay the way that they did. I mean, I know um, CrossFit was, was something entirely different 10, 12 years ago. Um, but, you know, in the end, things grow and evolve and, you know, something, maybe something entirely different will come out of it. But yeah, I don't, well, that's my only opinion. I don't, I don't really know anything else. Yeah, well, and, and clearly I don't know anything else either, but, but I just wanted to kind of throw out what a lot of people are thinking and saying, right? A lot of people, you know, are no longer affiliated with CrossFit because, you know, they just don't want to be affiliated with that kind of thing. Um, a lot of those people that were fiercely loyal, many of the people, you know, I will – I will say I've been been a little bit of uh, I've seen this happen more than once where people kind of try to show their loyalty to Greg by, you know, standing up for the things that he believes. And then, you know, they end up with egg on their face. Right. And so. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, because I, I know you have a good one on this one. Well, I'll just say that when it comes from um, a nutrition expert field, I do know that there have been people who have tried to work with him or work with CrossFit with or CrossFit headquarters, you know, on the nutrition side who have had their names then dragged through the mud for um, advocating a more flexible dieting approach. Um, and now I know that just through the circles of people that I know that any sort of respectable um, expert in that field will not let their name be associated with him um, because they end up getting, you know, vilified if they, if they um, advocate an approach to diet and nutrition that is different uh, from what he believes. So that's all I was going to say. Well, I'll say it a little bit more concise because this is nice is is sort of known as the place your career goes to die yeah right yeah and and the reason is is because you know you have a lot of these zealots that have these really strong opinions that are not particularly scientific right yeah and and you know it's it's you know it's cherry picked stuff and and that's a whole other podcast. I don't even really want to even have that conversation because you know, I mean, just feel free to Google it, right? Um, so the one thing I did forget to say was when I talked about him selling and going to a better, you know, more um, less crazy town approach. And I I mentioned to someone I was I was like. You know, I see Nike buying this, or I see Reebok buying a Rogue or somebody like this. He's like, yeah, that dude's never selling. You know, yeah. I mean, and 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 what he said to me, um, if you're not familiar with this, okay, there was a lot of controversy related to the Los Angeles Clippers, right? And that guy was involved with a lot of controversy, and he was forced to sell his team. And and he brought that up. He's like, no matter what happens, nobody's gonna force Greg to sell. We ain't selling, right? right? Because because a big part of who he is 
that he created CrossFit, right? And just being the guy that created CrossFit and walking away with a 20 to $30 million check, and once again, to his credit, he believes so strongly in the things that he believes that he's like, I got enough money. I'm good, right? Yeah. And so I'm going to make sure that my thing is represented the way that I want it represented. And that's what this is about, right? And it doesn't really matter who's affected, right? right? Doesn't matter that gyms lose memberships. It doesn't matter. It's about that dude, right? And so you're either on the bus or you're not, right? And when you're not on the bus, you're 100% against the bus. And that's bull, right? Like, I can still appreciate relationships that I made. I can still appreciate the evolution of CrossFit without buying, you know, whatever manner of crazy that you bought into last six months, right? Because it's just this constant whirlwind of stuff. And every single person who has come up to defend this dude, right, they, they just get a bus, you know, run right over them six months later, right? right? And so that's a little bit of what this is all about, right? And I just feel like, you know, one, I'm just a guy on a podcast, right? right. 5,000 people might think this is interesting um, tomorrow. Maybe more people listen to it because it's a bit of a controversial topic. But at the end of the day, Nothing's going to change. Bizarro CrossFit is still going to exist, you know, until someone steps up. But the problem is, is there's too much money in it for the Ben Bergerons of the world. The only way that something changes is when you take away the incentives, right? So if you start to take away the money or the incentives, now all of a sudden those people that stood up for you at one point and you took away their money, now all of a sudden they're going to throw you under the bus, right? And so that's something I think everybody sort of needs to recognize in this scenario. And, you know, um, and a lot of those people will be shouted down as, you know, you believed in this at one time and you came out and you said, you know, you know, those things happen. That's just business. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll end on that note. Went very long. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, I don't even know anything about what you were talking sure. about. Um, but, it, you know, it is it is interesting. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, I, I, I've gone to most of the CrossFit games since I've been a CrossFitter. You know, and it used to be like you're going to Super Bowl and now it's like you go to the county fair. Right. And and, you know, it's. I think to a lot of the people that have been loyal to this along the way, you know, they they've questioned and some of them have left along the way, you know. And I think that this move, more than a lot, you're gonna see it hurts. It's gonna hurt, right? Because yeah. you know, Doritos might really hate, you know, things that go on. But Doritos realizes they need to be on Facebook, right? right. And 
And if the CEO of Doritos, you know, um, said, hey, we're going to nuke things because people are sun chips people now, you know, there's someone at Doritos that goes, dude, do not do that. Do not press that button. Right. Um, and it's more than just a marketing channel. Right. It's the online community that connects a lot of us. And it's right. not going to Twitter would not replace that. Right. And that's what I think was not, you know, maybe maybe that's the 65 year old man. Right. Part of it. You know, he didn't totally get it. Maybe it's not important to him, right? Um, not that any of those groups are going away. There's no shortage of people lining up to fake, you know, an affiliation with CrossFit. Right. Um, you know, and I think some of that's going to get confusing and annoying. And, 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 you know, I think the person, the people that are going to get be hurt the most are the affiliates who, once again, have been fiercely loyal you know, sometimes at, at a loss of clients, you know, um, and, and that sort of sucks. So, all right. So we spent a lot of time on non-dieting stuff, which, you know, people always go, you know, what does that have to do with dieting? But, you know, hopefully um, that's at least somewhat enlightening to some people who aren't familiar with all the history of some of these things. And, yeah. um, you know, for anybody that, you know, is, is sort of wondering, you know, you can find most of this, you know, many of this, many of the things I'm talking about is my opinion of the situation. So if you disagree or, or dislike my opinion, that's okay, right? You feel free to talk about my opinion, you know, yeah. um, in whatever group that you are. And you know what? I might actually agree with you, you know, I might <laughs> give you a like, you know, because I think you should have the right to do that. You yep. know, um, and I think that's a little bit about what this was all about. All right, Susie, you have a great weekend. Everybody listening, have a great weekend. And hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody kind of gets where we were going with this one. <laughs> okay, bye. Talk to you later. Bye now.